Hello, welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the last weekend in January. A weekend that includes a couple of games in the Championship, a full slate in League One, as there are no League One teams left in the FA Cup at the fourth round stage, and 10 games in League Two, and plenty in that fourth round of the FA Cup as well. I'm Ali Maxwell, this is George Ellick. The podcast sponsored by Betfair is about betting and therefore it's for over 18s only and we ask that people are gamble aware and understand the risks that come with gambling. Head to begambleaware.org to brush up on the risks that come with placing a bet. George, I've upset you already. No, no, you haven't upset me. I just thought when you said this is George Ellick, I thought you were going to say this is the Not Top 20 podcast. So I I thought you were announcing me as the podcast, which isn't true. This isn't the George Ellick show. Well... Well, be nice if it was this week. Sometimes it is, but not after a week where I finally won a long shot. Mm. Michal Helic. And what a long shot it was. With a near post flicked header from a set piece against Blackburn to score for Huddersfield at 11 to 1. Absolutely delighted with that. Uh, really nice to get a CB up. I think I average about one CB goal a season and it's just a real bit of fun and I was on the stag and I was in Limerick and we were having a pretty solid time at that point and it just it went from a 9 out of 10 day to a 10 out of 10 day. So buzzing with that. I'd landed in Limerick, we'd gone straight to the pub and I was God knows how many points deep when I found out that your goal scorer had scored as well. Fabio Carvalho. Yeah, with a, I was worried for a second because it was a deflected effort and you're wondering, are they going to take it off him? But he still got it, so it's fine. So you were half a point up, which is an improvement <clears throat> on the week before where you were 0.1 points up. Slowly, slowly catchy profit, says George. It, it was nearly given my nap were Leicester who conceded in, what was it, 93rd minute, 94th minute. Yeah, that was, well, you know, these things happen, don't they? And Birmingham to win to nil at Stoke was a long shot off the bar, really, because Birmingham did beat Stoke, which is impressive cool. They, they were nap- winning to nil to about 15 minutes to go. Uh, Tranmere were my nap at Swindon, but that was called off. Uh, Bristol Rovers, my, my Bristol Rovers love affair is dead. And looking back, it's been disastrous. Um, and, and Isaiah Jones was my goal scorer pick, came off injured after 20 minutes. But Michelle Hellick uh, sends me into this week. In high spirits, nine points up for the week and back in relatively healthy profit over the season as a whole. What's the best bet this weekend, George, in your eyes? What's the nap? I think the best bet you can have this weekend and where I'm placing my two points for the nap is Cheltenham at Derby. Giorno bet at uh, six to one. I think the 17 to two for them to win the game is also crazy. It's time to, to pay... Daryl Clark, Cheltenham, Clark's Cheltenham some respect, I believe, because they're still being priced up as if they're one of the worst teams in the division. If we go back to the 21st of October, when they won their first game of the season, they scored their first goal um, around that time as well. Since then, they've played 14 games. They picked up 21 points at 1.5 points per game. In that time, they've beaten Oxford. In that time, they've beaten Portsmouth. In that time, they've lost five games. All five games that they lost were just to a solitary goal. Two of those games... The two undefeated against Leighton Orient, where they were playing with 10 men at home, but still, you know, were rightfully ahead in the closing stages of the game before Orient scored twice, but still beat them comfortably on the XG. And then midweek, where they went to Bolton, Victor Adebayejo scored fairly early, and then it was just non stop pressure from Cheltenham, who were, you know, game state played a part, but they were by far the better team. Missed loads of chances. George Lloyd scored a goal that I, how it was given offside, I have absolutely no idea. And they came away pointless up against one of the the best teams in the division, having 
not only held their own, but created the better chances within, within the game. They're up against a Derby side who, in that same league table, since the 21st of October, sit top. But they've played 17 games, so three more than, um, than Cheltenham. And when you compare the points per game, it's 1.5 to 2 points per game. So not a massive difference. And then you look at Derby's recent form. Their last three games... They played against Burton live on Sky and they went 2-0 up fairly early. Burton got back into the game and it was only a very late Conor Harrahan uh, strike from range that gave them a, a win that wasn't necessarily deserved. Then they went to Lincoln, who are woefully out of form and drew 0-0, didn't create loads. And then in midweek, they go to Reading and are beaten 1-0. Again, like they put some pressure on when they were behind, but it wasn't a great performance. We saw Derby really um, impress for a period uh back in kind of November, December time. And they looked like they were the best team in the league and even in, in Jan as well. But those performances have, have dropped off now and I don't think they're anywhere near it. In a similar way, I'd say to Bolton. I think there are massive comparisons you can draw between two sides who are quite clearly one of the best teams in the league, have one of the best squads in the league, but aren't necessarily playing particularly well right now. And if Cheltenham replicate their performance from midweek at Derby, I think they will again create enough chances to score, the, to, to score goals and they're defensively pretty solid. So... I don't know. It feels to me like if you if you started the season when Daryl Clark took over, we started the season on the 21st of October, which is basically when this iteration of Cheltenham Town started, there's no way. There's no way Cheltenham would be 17-2 to win the game and 6-1 to draw no bet. So, I, I, and what came before that, which is the reason for Cheltenham's um, pretty poor, well, poor league position, in my mind is like totally and utterly irrelevant. Um, so yeah, I I don't think the six to one. I'd I'd probably be happy to back Cheltenham at six to one to win this game, generally, like uh, happily. And so the, being able to back them six to one, draw no bet, feels to me like a a too good an opportunity to to pass up. So yeah, it'd be nice to to land twelve points profit just to edge ahead of your um, Mikael <laughs> Hellick eleven points last week. It would be truly iconic. I uh, love that really strong reasoning. Uh, I'm in League Two and I'm backing Mansfield at 13-10, 2.3 to beat Wimbledon on the Betfair Sportsbook. I'll start with the home team, Wimbledon. It's been a tough week for them, a tough few weeks for them. Tough week because they got pumped against MK Dons and that is always going to hurt. Extra for Dons fans. They were 3-0 down after what, 29 minutes. The third goal, I think it was, was a comedy-owned goal from their centre-back who injured himself in the process. They had two men received straight red cards, Huss Beiler uh, and Paul Callumby as well. Uh, basically, as, ba- as bad as a night gets. And I don't think having Mansfield coming to town is a particularly comfy uh, next fixture for them. In fact, if you stretch it a few weeks, it's not been great for Wimbledon since Christmas, just one win. Uh, that was a, a big 5-3 at home to Colchester in kind of a messy game. But they lost at home to Sutton. Really poor performance there. They lost away at Wrexham as well, which was a decent performance, but they got kind of out out qualityed by uh, Stephen great Fletcher word. and James great McLean. Word. Uh, that MK Dons game in the week was not great and they drew a Forest Green as well. So it's not great form and it's not hugely surprising and you don't have to overthink it. They have had all season and particularly in the last couple of months an excellent front two. Absolutely perfect for each other in Omar Bugil and Ali Al-Hamadi. Now they are both away right now playing internationally in the Asia Cup. And you lose a lot when you lose a front two that between them, at this level, excel physically. They excel at holding the ball up, in the case of Bugill, at pressing, in the case of both of them, at chasing, 
in the case of both of them, at linking play, at running channels, and in the case of Al Hamadi, at scoring goals as well. So it's no surprise that they've dropped off uh, in an attacking sense since their departure. There's not a huge amount Johnny Jackson can do about that. Uh, Josh Davison's been starting, which is the obvious option uh, and someone who really you know, should be able to impact games, but he's been struggling and he's, he's just not that dependable in front of goal and he can't do it all himself anyway. So... Midweek having been a disaster, not helped by the fact that Byler will be suspended. Not the end of the world. Ogundere uh, will slot in. I don't think they lose a huge amount there. But it's at centre-back where I'm really worried because Ryan Johnson went down injured, clutching his lower leg, seemed in some pain. It didn't look like the one just through instinct that you'd, you'd be trotting out again a couple of days later on the weekend. Uh, and Paul Callumbay came on for him and was sent off. So he's suspended. So who plays centre-back with Lewis here for Wimbledon? Probably Lee Brown. Or maybe Alex Pierce, who hasn't been seen in the last few squads, so there's a chance he's he's either uh, you know outside the squad completely through injury or just through uh, Johnson's choice. I think it'll be Lee Brown, and I think that might be a problem for them. It could be a youngster Sutcliffe as well. Either way, Mansfield not a good uh, opponent because I think the atmosphere will be expectant from the home fans after that defeat to MK, but I don't think they've got the tools really to be at their best. Now, Mansfield haven't been great in the last week or two a draw against Morecambe not an amazing result a defeat to crew at home their first home defeat of the season before that not an amazing result either and I think they're missing the pace of Reese Oates uh, if you look at their squad really strong squad for the level with tons of excellent experienced high quality players but raw pace is probably something that they lack and that's what Oates brought to them uh, even so this season they have been excellent and in particular away from home and in big games against other good League Two opposition, they've really stood out. So they've played seven of the top half Mansfield and they've won five, lost two away from home against seven of the top half teams. Uh, they beat Stockport away. They beat Knotts away in, in a big one. And, and I think overall that they're in better shape than Wimbledon. I think they can make the most of some low confidence and those absences as well. So 13 to 10 is my nap Mansfield's next best. Uh, my next best is Carlisle, draw no bet. Um, against Bolton <clears throat> at 23 to 10. Um, I think Bolton might be a false position is the wrong word, but I, I am a bit concerned about them at the moment. I've said for a few weeks I'm not convinced they're playing particularly well. Um, I think when you look at their recent games, like they've won five of their last six but haven't necessarily been convincing in all or, or maybe even any of them. Um, last time on the road they beat... Um, Sorry, they were beaten by Leighton Orient 1-0. Um, either side of that, they've had kind of scrappy home wins against Burton and Cheltenham. Uh, the Cheltenham game, as I just mentioned, they were, were second best for the majority. When you consider the teams they've played in this run as well, Fleetwood being an away win 2-0. Lincoln, who I mentioned, uh, another uh, out-of-form team. If you basically take out Cheltenham and Leighton Orient, their last two games, they had a run where they were playing some of the poorest teams in the league back-to-back and, and not really, you know, not playing in the way we saw them such as when they beat extra 7-0 uh, back in November um, when they beat um, Wickham 4-2 away from home. You know, they've had really good results previously. And also when you look at the, the way that their fixtures this season have um, kind of landed, Bolton have still got to play Peterborough, Derby, Barnsley, Oxford, Stevenage, Blackpool, Wigan and Northampton and Bristol Rovers and Cambridge away from home this season. They've only played three of the top 14 teams on the road. And that, yes, that also translates to the fact that they haven't played a few teams down towards the bottom at home where you'd anticipate they would win. But their points expectancy from those away games will be pretty low. And naturally, dropping points against teams uh, around you creates an environment where you drop down even further. 
And I'm just wondering if there's a chance that maybe, and no, without necessarily having to to um, play worse, they might be the team in the current crop at the top. And I think we have to include Barnsley in that now after their win in midweek. That might be um, in danger of, of 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 having to improve, basically, otherwise dropping away. Their result in midweek was, as I said, was was really concerning to me against Cheltenham. They um, have lost away from home a few times this season. Um, Pompey away live on TV, as we saw the Orient game last time away from home. Lost at Reading as well. I mean, they've, they've also dispatched some of the poorest teams in the league away from home. But there's definitely a you know a, a trend here of, of, of struggling against teams on the road who are better. But then Carlisle are rubbish, aren't they? So this should be an easy game for them. This should be one of those that they dispatch very comfortably. But I'm just not sure that Carlisle are still rubbish, necessarily. Mm. Like, going out and signing loads of players, in and of itself, like, you only have to watch Charlton at the moment, doesn't necessarily equate to being way better all of a sudden. Like, these things take time. It's not as simple as that. But I do think there have been real improvements in individual performances that Carlisle have had at the moment. Like, against Barnsley, um, last time out, away from home, if they'd taken their chances, they could have been far enough clear in that game that they would have won it or that although they would or, sh- or should have won it but they were unable to, to go further than one goal ahead when they were well on top in the first half and Barnsley did what Barnsley do Devante Cole scored a really well taken goal and they got a penalty later on and won it 2-1 despite again you look at chances created you look at the XG and everything else Carlisle uh, were the better side for the majority until like the last 15-20 minutes um, against Oxford in the game before that they showed some defensive uh, frailties, but I thought were pretty impressive, especially in the in the middle third. They've added players um, to the to the side over the this period that suggests to me that the new new ownership group, the the family, the American family that bought the club, are, are pretty intent on mounting, or they're happy to basically spend money in order to try and ensure that they stay up um, this season and don't get relegated down to to League One, like Luke Armstrong sorry, to League Two. Luke Armstrong is the the kind of headline grabber, I guess, of sorts. But you know, Josh Emmanuel, who did well at Grimsby last season, Harry Lewis, who is Bradford's number one keeper, Harrison Neal, who's a good pickup for on loan from Sheffield United. You know, th- these are players who should improve them. And in Paul Simpson, they've got an absolute genius. So I've seen enough in Carlisle in the last couple of weeks to suggest to me that they are going to pick up points soon, and they're going to be better than they previously were. I don't think that's being factored necessarily here. And I'm just a little bit concerned about Bolton right now. So yeah, t- 23 to 10, taking the draw out. I'm taking Carlisle drawing a bet. Have you changed what you eat for breakfast this week? Because these feel like exciting, but you know, unusually punchy picks. A six to one nap. Uh, a, a, a team second bottom of the league to beat a team second or third in the league. I love it. Yeah, I well, love it. It, it, it. it sounds okay now, but when you know when Cheltenham get beat three 0 and Bolton just come home easy for an away win, then it doesn't look so clever on on uh, Saturday evening. But let's see how we and, go. And then it'll be back on the brand flakes for you, my son. <laughs> uh, next best for me is Bradford to beat Swindon at eleven to ten with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, backed against Swindon last week for my nap. Tramere it was. That game was called off, but I'm going to do so again. Uh, this week, uh, I won't bang on about Swindon's issues because you heard them all uh, last week in a game that didn't even take place. But uh, I don't expect the home atmosphere to be positive and renewed, you know, with renewed energy despite Mike Flynn's uh, sacking. I think that Gavin Gunning, the caretaker, is, is popular and will be supported by the fans. But I don't think that will outweigh the anger at the board, the increasing desperation at uh, the way the club's being run and in how the squad is being picked apart because 
You've heard me talk about Dan Kemp being recalled, Jake Young being recalled, Romeo Hutton being signed by Gillingham, Liam Kinsella yesterday moving up a league and joining Cheltenham on a free transfer. Um, Kinsella is not a player that gets fans off their seats, but there seems to be an understanding amongst the fan base that, and clearly for managers like Mike Flynn, managers like Daryl Clark, who's just brought him up a level to Cheltenham, that he is a dependable player in the centre of the pitch where you really need dependable players. And I don't think Swindon have many others in their squad that you would say are dependable and have been consistent performers this season. Kinsella, one of the few players whose you know, strongest attributes are a little bit of steel, a little bit of work rate, put a foot in, press, harry, that sort of thing. And, and he's gone now as well. So uh, a team that's conceded two goals a game over the last 23 league games, lost six of the last eight. Uh, I don't think they are uh, ready to be changing that trajectory just because they've sacked uh, Mike Flynn personally. There's also a bit of an XG angle here, which is a bit of fun. Um, and that is that uh, since Graham Alexander was appointed on the 6th of November, so two and a half months, Bradford City have got the best XG ratio in the league since then. Now, it's a bit of an eyebrow raiser because their actual results haven't been that good, uh, initial uptick, um, but they haven't won in the last six, four draws and two defeats. So a bit of a peculiar one. In the same time or in the same time period, Swindon have the worst XG ratio in League Two, which very much does fit with both the results and the eye test. So let's just take a quick look at Bradford. I mean, fans had a bit of a meltdown after a midweek draw against Salford. You know, initial happiness at the upturn in results under Graham Alexander has, has turned to more uh, anger at, at the way that the club is operating and performing because they're 16th in League Two and that is clearly not good enough. Uh, I still think Alexander is, is showing a few bits and bobs that make me think that he should be, you know, supported even if it's difficult for the fans to see a team that, that keeps failing to win games. Uh, in that in the last six where they haven't won, they have faced the fewest shots in the league per 90, the second lowest open play XG per 90. So there is something on the defensive end that's that's working, that they are doing defensively broadly what you're meant to do, albeit they keep conceding early goals and, and that has been uh, an issue for them. Attacking numbers are average really, just above average, but they're not taking their chances very well. So I believe that, you know, keep doing those sorts of things and results will start to look a little bit better, but clearly they have to keep well, they have to start games a little better and they have to find someone other than Andy Cook who can actually score. Uh, I do trust in the numbers, though. I think there's enough for in there for results to improve. And more importantly, really, I just think they're much stronger physically and technically than Swindon. And I think they can kind of bully them here. So I'm going to trust the XG when it comes to Bradford and trust my general instinct when it comes to Swindon, who I'm, I'm very, very concerned about. Uh, 11 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, good moment to mention the 90-minute payout offer with Betfair Sports, but this is Match Odds 90, uh, which is the market with the 90 icon on the sportsbook. And if the team that you bet on is winning when the clock hits 90.00 and you've backed them on the Match Odds 90 market, you'd be paid out as a winner, even if they concede an equaliser in added time. So uh, for those who really, really, really hate losing bets due to late, late, late equalisers, uh, Match Odds 90 is the market for you. You can build Ackers with it as well. Uh, so, as always, make sure you read the T's and C's to understand the Match Odds 90 market with the Betfair Sportsbook. Who's your goal scorer? Got one up last time. Do it again, please. Well, it's on the same game you just mentioned, and thankfully it is Tyreek Wright, um, who's just joined uh, Bradford for a second spell at the club. He's 130 to score any time. He made his first start back at Bradford against Salford in midweek. He had two opportunities of an XG totaling 0.4. He missed both of them. But he's a player that we know can score goals. Um, he generally played off the left-hand side for, for Bradford in his last spell. 
scored four goals in, in 12 games. Um, he's played through the middle, which I think will be more beneficial to his goal-scoring potential in midweek. And I completely agree with everything you said about Bradford. Um, they're kind of next on the list in terms of my uh, picks in the match odds. Um, I think there is a chance. You know, if you go through the the list of teams um, this week who could rack up a score, it feels like Bradford are pretty near the top of that list, despite their bad run of form in terms of results. And it feels like they are due a few of these chances to, to basically fly in. And then right, you know, he only played 65 minutes. I think it was his first game in from the loan. Likely to start 90 here, um, playing in an advanced role. So yeah, at 130, I think that is a decent price for a guy who's already showed in a Bradford shirt that he can score goals. Yeah, all eyes on that. Uh, be delighted if Tyreek Wright fancied scoring, preferably quite early in this one, um, to help my next best. My goal scorer is Femi Aziz. Uh, not a dissimilar player profile really to Tyreek Wright um, wide player that likes to cut in on that left foot and get shots off uh, he plays for Reading they're playing against Leighton Orient and I've backed Femi Aziz uh, anytime at 9-2 with the Betfair Sportsbook now Aziz is an interesting one to track over the course of the season because Ruben Sellers has been a fan of his all season really he's made that right-sided uh, attacking well kind of winger spot in Sellers' 4-4-2 4-2-2-2 position his own uh, and there was a time where he wasn't finishing his chances very well and it became a bit of a sticking point for fans who uh, weren't the biggest fans of Femi Aziz shall we say but Seller stuck with him I think he's been uh, rewarded justified in, in doing so because Aziz has found a real rhythm and confidence in the last month two months he looks super dangerous he has scored uh, in five of the last 13 games in all comps. He hit the post in midweek against Derby in a 1-0 win for Reading. Brilliant win, which should give them confidence going into this game. Uh, and in the last 13 games, there's only one match where he's had less than two shots. Uh, overall, in 13 games, it's 37 shots, 2.85 per match, regularly having three and four shots. You know, these are mostly cutting in off the right wing and, and shooting, and a lot from range as well. So big Morgan Whitaker vibes, but like Whitaker. Watching him right now is like watching a player in great form, in full rhythm, who who can be dangerous from range, cutting in on that left foot. So uh, we're going to have a go here. Orient haven't conceded in five in the league, uh, which is a, you know important to know before you back it, but not enough to stop me backing it. And uh, Aziz's recent performances are enough for me to want a piece of this at nine to two. So Femi Aziz, my goal scorer pick. Uh, what's your long shot? Nil nil in Burton against Cambridge, um, or Cambridge against Burton, I should say, at seven to one. It's a massive game for both sides, um, both kind of embroiled in this um, big mess at the bottom of League One. Terrible results for both of them in midweek. They didn't play, but Reading winning, Exeter winning really does bring into focus that any team from, I'm going to say Wigan in 11th down to um, down to Fleetwood. So over half the table, I would say, are currently still in a relegation scrap, um, given that Wigan on 34 points are just eight points clear of Reading um, and Reading we now have a game in hand on most of the teams above them as well and are picking up points pretty um, consistently now as well so a game where I think it's really important that neither side lose which always um, to me at least plays into uh, a low scoring affair when you also consider that I think uh, Cambridge's attacking output under Neil Harris has really been hit um, since Gaston Habme's uh, come out of the side um, they've already drawn four games nil-nil this season um, and their home games are generally very low scoring uh, with uh, with the, their last game as well um, being a, a nil-nil draw against uh, Exeter um, Burton are a funny one where um, in terms of nil-nils from the season they've, all, all, they've already had three 
their games since Martin Passon came in there was that 3-2 game against Derby but it's more the 2-0 game against Charlton I think it was interesting where they were just sitting really deep soaking up pressure and looking to hit on the counter and that is what Cambridge like to do so I wonder if these two teams might just cancel each other out neither of them is going to want the ball neither of them is going to want to come out of their shape and I think both of them are probably I mean obviously Cambridge will want to win the game um, but I don't, I don't think there's going to be much risk taking here so a stalemate nil-nil the 7-1 to seems a good way to play it my long shot is a goal scorer. It's not a CB goal scorer because oh, no. while I was quite keen for one, while I looked very hard at backing a Wrexham centre-back against Blackburn in the Cup, nice. we got some joy backing against, you know, with Hellick last week against Rovers. They look a little iffy to me defending corners in particular, but Will Boyle suspended uh, is a bit of a blow because with Aaron Hayden injured as well. Actually, you look at the shot numbers of Ben Tozer and Owen O'Connor, and it's very difficult to make a case to back them, even though their prices are tempting. Uh, I couldn't look past Luke Cundall, Stoke City's central midfielder, who is 25 to 1 to score first for Stoke against Sunderland on Saturday, at 12 to 1 any time. So I'm putting half a point on each. Kind of excited about this one. It's it's a it's an interesting one, purely because I don't think that this price matches the role that Luke Cundall plays, where in a Steven Schumacher 4-3-3, which is where Cundall has played all season, first at Plymouth and now at Stoke, um, he's he's kind of in my eyes like the fourth attacker. So obviously you have the front three, um, but particularly in, in uh, counter-attacks, moments of transition, Kundal is an attack-minded number eight. And there are games, certainly back at Argyle, I can think of where it always felt like he was kind of leading them on the break, um, getting the ball in, in the middle third, uh, playing it forward and then joining the attack and, and kind of trailing the attack and getting ready um, to, to pick up the pieces on the edge of the box. So I just don't think the price of 25 to 1 first, 12 to 1 anytime really reflects that. Um, and yeah, interesting one. He hasn't had a shot in the first two games he's played at Stoke. Um, but I don't think it's, well, I don't think it'll be long until he starts getting opportunities. Schumacher clearly, A, encourages his number eights to attack. We've seen that consistently with Argyle. And also clearly loves Cundall because he redirected his loan from Plymouth when he uh, first joined Stoke. And he started him in, in both games since. So. His goal scoring this season has been a bit weird. He, he, he grabbed three in the first nine games of the season, uh, but he hasn't scored any since then. So uh, I think Cundall might be due a good chance and I would hope that he might take it. Stoke had quite an encouraging attacking performance against Birmingham, even in defeat. And I fancy them to have a few jabs at a Sunderland team that are low on confidence and genuinely might reach boiling point here if Sunderland don't put in a good performance. So Luke Cundall, half a point, 25 to 1, first goal scorer, half a point, 12 to 1, Anytime standout price, the Betfair Sportsbook, and that's my long shot. The BTTS six fold this week, George. Uh, it spits out nineteen point five, so just less than nineteen to one, which reflects it's not the most ambitious of picks for us. We're, we're just trying to get a winner here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's also with a, with a um, shrunken slate. Uh, our pickings are a bit slimmer. Um, but I found three that I like. Uh, Blackpool Charlton start with obviously the first game in the post Michael Appleton era for Charlton. But when you look at the way the squad has been assembled, and you, you know, you and I were at their game on Tuesday night, and you mm. see just how poorly drilled they are defensively, but how much attacking talent they've got on the pitch. I don't really think that Appleton leaving until the new manager comes in and actually whether or not they try to really implement a more pragmatic style, I don't think it's going to really matter. They've only got really got one way of playing right now, Charlton, and that's fighting fire with fire because they can't put out any fires at the back. Um, 
against the Blackpool side who we know have, have decent attacking um, options whose games recently have been fairly high scoring too so an easy one to put in there Crew Salford next um, Crew basically always score at home they only haven't once I think this season Salford under Carl Robinson uh, we know will be more attacking last time on the road they had a 35 shots um, BTTS copped very early in their game against Bradford in mid midweek um, and then Grimsby Tranmere I mean do I need to justify this Grimsby David Artel, 5-all last time at home, 6-1 defeat against Walsall all the time before that. It's crazy football, it's attacking football, it is high-scoring football, and Nigel Atkins in charge of Tranmere, gods have also tended to follow them too. Yeah, I feel like Grimsby have been quite a popular BTTS uh, six-fold pick, uh, certainly since Dave Artel took charge, and I'm going back to two pretty popular ones of my own. Uh, Bristol Rovers against Oxford United is one of my picks. Uh, this is uh, Bristol Rovers, just the ingredients of their games have been, well, straight fireworks basically over the last few weeks. Uh, I thought that Matt Taylor would sort of build the defence first, uh, but he has not done that. And Bristol Rovers have had BTTS yes land in 15 of their last 17 league games. Uh, it didn't land in midweek when they lost 1-0 to Exeter. Um, huffed and puffed, but couldn't blow down the Exeter door. However, uh, I think Oxford A have the tools to hurt Rovers, particularly on the break, uh, and the same vice versa really. So BTTS yes, Rovers, uh, Bristol Rovers against Oxford. Barnsley, again, popular on, on here just because of the way that they play. They are so attack-minded and yes, they are at home to Exeter and they are heavily expected to win. That's why the price for BTTS is 1.87, much longer than most Barnsley games. Um, Exeter, you know, with a, a relatively low goal threat, but in recent weeks, particularly with the emergence of young striker Sonny Cox, they have looked a little bit better. They have started to pick up um, and uh, and with, with Barnsley going all-out attack here, with Cox in particular looking quite dangerous on the counter-attack and Aitchison as well, uh, I think Exeter can score at Oakwell. Uh, 11 of 13 uh, or 11 of Barnsley's last 13 games in all comps have had BTTS, yes, land. Uh, and the last one is in League Two and it's Forest Green against Accrington. Accrington, a favourite of mine for BTTS. Just the way that John Coleman likes them to play, he, he makes no bones about it. He wants them to play a front-footing, front-footed attacking style. They don't always seem to have the uh, strongest individuals defensively. Uh, and Forest Green, they've been so many different ways of being poor this season, but I do think, at the very least, they, they tend to offer some sort of threat. I think they've got well, they have had such a weak mentality that they, they often throw away leads or if they go behind, they struggle to come back. But generally at 0-0, even though they're one of the worst teams in the league, I still back Forest Green to have a few opportunities to work their way into goal-scoring positions. They've got Kyle McAllister, they've got Matty Stevens, and I think they can uh, trouble Accrington. So the sixfold has three from League One and three from League Two. It's Bristol Rovers-Oxford, it's Barnsley-Exeter, uh, and it's Blackpool-Charlton in League One. And in League Two, it's Forest Green-Accrington, it's Crewe-Salford, and it's Grimsby against Tranmere. That concludes today's picks. George, why don't you summarise yours for us? Yeah, my nap is Cheltenham draw no bet at six to one, um, and then Carlisle draw no bet at twenty three to ten. Um, Cheltenham away at Derby, Carlisle hosting Bolton. Uh, Tariq Wright at one hundred thirty is my goal scorer, and nil nil Cambridge Burton is my long shot. Six to one nap makes this an iconic week. Almost whatever happens. Uh, Mansfield, my nap, 2.3, to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook. They are away at Wimbledon. And Bradford, 11-10 away at Swindon. 
as well. My next best, my goal scorer is Femi Aziz, plays for Reading 5.592. Anytime, and my long shot is Luke Kundal. I got half a point on first goal scorer for Stoke against Sunderland at 25 to 1. And I got half a point on the 12 to 1 anytime as well. The BTTS sixfold, uh, as discussed. Bristol Rovers, Oxford, Barnsley, Exeter, Blackpool, Charlton. And in League 2, Forest Green, Accrington, Crew Salford and Grimsby v Tranmere. Thank you to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. And thanks to you for listening every week as well. It means a lot. Let's hope for another good week on the NTT20 betting show. Have a great weekend and go well.